Hey, welcome to Bruise Culture. I'm your host, Evan Schwab. I own the gaming site Big Cultures, and I'm an aspiring Cicero. I'm here to help you pair quality craft beers with great games in order to maximize your leisure time. We'll talk about some of the best breweries and their histories alongside the ins and outs of games and the gaming industry. So stop in, take a load off, and enjoy excellent brews with us as we explore two of the most profitable business industries. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 9 of Brews Culture. Today we've got a terrific little beer paired with one of the most chill games I've ever played. But before that, we're getting close to baseball season. By the time this podcast goes live, this episode, we'll be right in the first week of the 2021 MLB season. Should be a pretty exciting year now that we've got a full season ahead of us with a number of fans being allowed in most stadiums for the time being due to COVID protocols. But hopefully maybe by the end of the season, life will have returned back to mostly normal. One can only hope. But with the baseball season on the horizon, so too comes MLB The Show 2021. MLB The Show, for those of you who don't play a ton of video games, is a baseball simulator. It's the only MLB-certified baseball simulator on the market. There's RBA Baseball, but that's an arcade-style baseball game. So what a simulator for a baseball game would be is that basically simulates real life. You know, like Flight Simulator would simulate flying an airplane. Farm Simulator would simulate running a farm, running and operating a farm. A baseball sim is just the most realistic version of a baseball game that you can get. As such, it has no competition and has been a Sony exclusive for over a decade. There used to be a 2K line of baseball games. For a while, they were fine. You know, they they were definitely over-the-top games. You could knock in 100 home runs and a couple hundred RBI in a season, but they were fine and at least an alternative if you didn't have a PlayStation that 2K series died, I want to say in 2010, 2011. I had already gotten into the show by, uh, I believe, 09 was my first foray into the show. So it's been a Sony exclusive for over a decade. And this year, uh, in order to keep the MLB license, Sony is making the show available on the Xbox platform as well. Now, this is huge because it would be the first time that a PlayStation Studios game ventures over to an Xbox console. Of course, Horizon Zero Dawn popped over on PC, and Days Gone will be popping over to PC as well, both of which are a part of the PlayStation Studios. But the difference in this release is that the show, created by Santa Monica Studios of Sony will be the first game to cross onto the Xbox platform. Now, this is great for Xbox fans. I'm happy to see it. I really don't mind the sharing of exclusives. Now, of course, I think exclusives are great. I think there's a lot of people that don't 
but I believe exclusives really drive competition between consoles. Now, I'm not a huge fan of Sony or Microsoft or Nintendo, should they ever, them buying studios, you know, like Microsoft did with Bethesda, which in itself for Microsoft, you know, the fact that they could afford to go out and buy Bethesda, that's huge. That's huge if they can get those, the future Fallout games, Elder Scrolls games exclusive. I know that they're saying a lot of them will be cross-platforms. At least the current releases will be cross-platform. But that's a huge sale. The Elder Scrolls and Fallouts are two of the most successful franchises of the last, I don't know, decade. Even with all of the glitches that we spoke about in the Cyberpunk episode. So, exclusives, though, really drive competition. It really makes, or at least it should make, each platform strive to create the best game that they possibly can. Sony really exemplifies this. I mean, you have the Uncharted series by Naughty Dog, which is incredibly popular, extremely fun to play, typically superb ratings, especially Uncharted 4, which received a number of perfect scores from various outlets. Naughty Dog also produced and developed The Last of Us, Parts 1 and 2, which are hugely successful. And The Last of Us is now becoming an HBO TV show based on the first game, at least the first season anyway, starring Pedro Pascal of The Mandalorian fame and many others. Pedro's a, a terrific actor. I'm glad to see him in the role of Joel. But you've got Horizon, which... Let me step back for a moment and say... PC is on its own level. We all know that if you want the best gaming experience and you have all the money that you can spend on gaming into constantly building the best PC for gaming, you're going to get the best experience. And there are are just a plethora of games on PC that you can't get anywhere else. So it, it really is the ultimate experience. With that said, I'm preferential to console gaming. And so when I think of exclusives, I think of games that are purely on console. If they release on PC, that's fine. I still consider them... So, for example, Horizon Zero Dawn. I still consider that a PlayStation exclusive, even though it is playable on PC. Because you can't really play it on the Xbox. I believe that those types of exclusivities really push developers to make a better game. And this is because of a number of things. So, Sony wants to put out the best product because they want people to buy their consoles. Same thing with Microsoft and Nintendo. Now, Nintendo has a rabid, loyal fan base, so anything Nintendo puts out, they're typically going to buy, and Nintendo doesn't even have to drop the prices. I mean, you might see a Nintendo game that's 10 years old go on sale for $44.99 and be like, hey, that's a pretty decent deal. Whereas Uncharted 4, one of the best games on the PS4, is $10, $20 at this point. So it really is good for consoles to have exclusive content. Now, I know people argue that exclusive titles will really hurt the consumer because then it'll make them for, it'll force them to buy separate consoles, buying one console. And, and that's a point, and it's a fair point, but it's one that I don't think really knocks down the positives of exclusives because they're optimized for the console that they're they're built for so they provide the best gaming experience on that console or they should if they're worth their money so the fact that the show is coming to the xbox (laughs) to get back to my initial point is huge 
And and I think Sony wins a bit on this because I imagine that they'll rake in a decent amount of profit from Xbox fans who finally have a baseball game, a, a real baseball sim, rather. I think it's great for Microsoft fans. I think it's great for Xbox fans. If I was an Xbox fan and I, you know, I love baseball as much as I do, that would be huge news. You know, especially in college, I had an Xbox 360 before it red ringed on me and I ended up going and getting a PS3. That would be huge news. And that's actually how I ended up getting the show in the first place. So the show comes out at the beginning of April for PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4. And the, the Series SX also works on the Xbox One. So anybody will have access to this, essentially, of the two main consoles. But with baseball season comes a delight in, for me, lighter beers. And that's not to say, like, you know, Miller Lite or anything. And there's nothing wrong if you like Miller Lite. But I, I, I like it in the summertime, a cooler, smoother, lighter beer that I can, you know, knock out a couple in any given day. And just relax. The IPAs are great whenever... I will always enjoy an IPA. But in the summer, if I sit down with a Hellas or a lager or, or a Pilsner, something that's lighter, light on the tongue, cool, refreshing, that's what I'm going to go to. And baseball season really brings that out to a full. You know, there's nothing like sitting down at a game or sitting down and watching a game with a nice blonde beer. For today's episode, we have a beer from the terrific Bell's Brewing. Now, for those of you, Bell's Brewing is a brewery independently owned in Michigan. Distributed across, I believe, 45 states. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's just the northwestern part of the United States that does not receive Bell's. I believe Colorado gets it. I think it's just California, Washington... Oregon that don't get Bells. I would think that everybody has heard of Bells as Bells has produced the number one beer in America for the past like five years and that is Bells Two Hearted Ale. It's an IPA. It's very good. It's a classic IPA. I understand why it hits number one. It's not my personal favorite IPA but it is very good and Bells typically makes very good beer. So when I was perusing Red Wine and Brew, my beer store of choice, I found a nice little looking Bell's Golden Ale called No Yeah. So if you know anything about the dialect of the Midwest, we have a lot of phrases that just kind of, I guess, exist here. You might see some, you know, comedy posts from TikTok or Instagram or whatever that make fun of our Midwestern tropes, but they're true and they're funny. And, and I saw this and I had a good laugh when I was looking through the different quotes on the, on the side of the can, but it's a nice little refreshing golden ale that is terrific. It sits at about 4.2%, so it's very light. You could definitely crush <laughs> crush a whole six-pack and not notice. It's it's really good. It hits with a crisp mouthfeel that is something that would be really refreshing 
in the warmer weather, which is actually perfect timing here because we're climbing out of our winter into spring. And so I could see this being really good come, you know, late May, June, July, right in the warm weather. But it is refreshing. It is, as it says in the box, an easy drinking golden ale. It sits with a an 82% on Beer Advocate. But before I go into that, I misspoke. It is a 4.5% beer with a bright gold coloration. It's a pretty good beer as far as Beer Advocate is concerned. But I do find that when I'm looking at beers like No Yeah, that Beer Advocate typically sees a harder audience. You know, and I think it, it probably has something to do with everybody's personal tastes, which makes sense. I know you could say I'm stating the obvious, but I would take, especially if, you, if your first, say, Golden Lager is excellent. You know, when I talked about Maui's Bikini Blonde Hellas Lager, I compared it to my favorite Twisted Hellas Lager, and, and it did well. And I compare a lot of Hellas Lagers to Twisted Hellas from Frankenmuth Brewery because that is what I prefer. So if someone on Beer Advocate or, or wherever the case may be has a gold nail they prefer and this doesn't quite live up to their expectations, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to affect the score. But for me, this one is a really good beer and it's one that I will definitely be purchasing again. It definitely is a sweet smelling beer kind of reminds me of okay don't quote me on this one but i believe it's little beast brewing it's somewhere in oregon i believe it's a little brewery little independent brewery they have a beast lager and it is very sweet smelling and utterly delicious and i would love to get my hands on more but they don't distribute out here i just happen to be able to find some on taver before taver stops selling in ohio and it's wonderful so if anybody can find me some <laughs> it would be appreciative but it reminds me a lot of the beast lager yeah little beast brewing is from portland oregon and their lager is one of my favorites Unfortunately, I can't find it where I live, which is truly sad. But but fortunately, we have places like Bell's and Market Garden and all of the terrific beers from around here that definitely match up with it. But it reminds me a lot of the Little Beast Brewing Lager. So if you're from Oregon or you're out in the West and in one of the states where Bell's doesn't distribute and you want something that tastes similar to, to follow along with us, Go grab yourself a Little Beast Brewing Lager. Would love to get on this show at, at some point in the near future. No Yeah is really embodies the slow-paced nature of the Midwest. The typically kind Midwest personality. I truly believe that Ohio, for example, is a place typically full of some of the friendliest people that you will meet. Now, granted, I know that Ohio also produces some of the worst and most serial killers, but the majority of, of we Ohioans, and really Midwesterners in general, I think are really nice people. I've said before, but my family goes to Frankenmuth, Michigan every year, and, and 
It's another place just full of nice people. And this no yeah golden ale really embodies that. It's just a really nice beer. And it says so on the box. Highly recommend this one. It goes well with anything, but if you find some in the summer and you're just hanging out, you know, living your life, you can't do much better than no yeah. You can't do much better than bells in general, but it's good. Highly recommend it. Yeah. So what kind of game I thought could I match with the no yeah lager? I thought about it only for a few minutes because there's only one game that I can think of that really fits the no yeah description. And by the way, no yeah is something that we say in Ohio anyway, and I, I imagine Michigan. It's just a funny little saying. I'm sure people say it all the time everywhere, but you know, things like, oh, sorry, are <laughs> things that we say all the time here. You're talking to somebody and be like, no, yeah, I meant this. Or somebody's making a good point and you just say, no, yeah. All those sorts of things. I guess it doesn't make sense if you don't live here, but if you do live here, you definitely would get some of these things. Read the side of the box. I won't read them all. It's fun. It fits our style. So back to the game. There's only one game that I could think of that I would describe as just a really nice game. It's a game that I've reviewed three times on BitCultures. I've jumped on every opportunity to review this game, and I have jumped on the opportunity for when it comes out on the PlayStation 5. And that game is Yonder, the Cloud Catcher Chronicles. There's something about Yonder, the Cloud Catcher Chronicles, outside of being a mouthful to say, that really captures my imagination. And I'm not typically into this style of game, but the first time I played it was on, I believe it was on the PS4. At this point, it's my memories are fuzzy, so I reviewed it on the Switch and the Xbox as well. It's either the PS4 or the Switch version that I played first, but it's a game you are a person on a journey. Your ship is wrecked at sea and you wash up on a mysterious type of island. I suppose it's mysterious. You have a little sprite that finds you and, and travels with you and and you go about you know fixing your boat meeting new people, doing little quests for these people. You build yourself farms, you, you tame animals, build crops, plant trees, all sorts of really farmy types of ordeals. There's really nothing to compare it to, but I suppose if you say maybe Story of Seasons a little bit, Animal Crossing, what are the other ones? Harvest Moon, Stardew Valley... My time at Porsche, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it definitely gives off vibes of those games, but it is something of its entirely own nature, and I love it. I love it dearly. I think it is one of my favorite, it's just one of the most relaxing games I've ever played. You know, it's one of those games where, maybe you don't get this way, but it's one of those games where you think about it, you play it, and you get that warm, fuzzy feeling inside. You know, that feeling I only get when I play, say, Final Fantasy 7 or 8, things that remind me of my childhood. This one isn't even related to that, but 
I get that, I don't know, nostalgic, pure bliss when I play Yonder, the Cloudcatcher Chronicles. And it's a sprawling, it's a beautiful game. It's nothing, you know, graphically it's not, you know, they're not hyper-realistic characters and hyper-realistic settings, but they're, they're cute sprites. It's in a beautifully drawn and colored world. You know, everything about it is so lighthearted. Even the plot that there's a darkness, there's a there's a pollution on the island where you're at. It, it's still all very lighthearted. And what I particularly enjoyed about this game, that some of the other games at the time didn't necessarily have, was there's no time limit. Time limits really stress me out because I'm a completionist. I'm a trophy hunter, so time limits really hurt my vibe when I'm really trying to enjoy a game. The early Atelier games from NAS America, Gust, and I guess now Tecmo Koei are great, but they all had time limits, and I couldn't do everything I wanted to do because of those time limits. You'd have to play multiple playthroughs or risk failing your objective, getting a bad ending, what have you. Even games like Stardew Valley had different time limits on things, and, and and they're all good. They're not not good. But Yonder really gave me a world that I could openly explore however I wanted to, with however much time I wanted to spend in any given area, doing whatever I wanted to do. In a beautiful world that is incredibly memorable and very relaxing. The coloration, the sounds, the, the atmosphere, it's just it's just a terrific little game. It plays well. You know, it's a bright game with crisp controls. You like my little tie in there. And it's something that you play at any time. For me, I have strong memories of playing Yonder in the summer as a teacher. That time with a little bit more time on my hands when I wasn't planning for the next school year. Yonder was was one of my games that I would play on my Switch in bed before going to bed, you know, playing in the evening when I just needed a couple minutes to relax at the end of a night. Yonder was always there. And it will be again because I, I hope to get a review code for Yonder on PS5 when it comes out, or before it comes out, rather. But it's a great little game. And it's one I highly recommend you go get. If you want to wait till it comes out on the PS5, I believe it's coming out in early to mid-May. Same publisher, same developer. Just enhanced experience on next-gen consoles. And if you don't want to wait, or you don't have a PS5 or Xbox Series S or X, you can grab it on any console. And I imagine it's probably on PC as well. I didn't review it on PC. It's a great game. If you want the portability, Switch is the way to go. If you don't mind not having the portability, I always recommend an Xbox or a PS console over the Switch, because you'll get better everything otherwise. Highly recommend the game. I believe it's dirt cheap. It might be 15 bucks. There's no combat involved, so it, it truly is a super relaxing experience. Visuals, I believe you probably say they're, they're similar to maybe Zelda Wind Waker. A little bit more adult, I suppose, but not, not as adult as Breath of the Wild. If that makes any sense, it's right in the middle. Happy medium. I would recommend that one. And yeah, by the time 
you're listening to this, the game will almost be out. Baseball season will have begun. And hopefully COVID's on its way out the door. And life can resume and get back to normal. But until then, stay safe. Drink responsibly. Enjoy your games. Thank you for listening. If you want to see more content, join us on Twitter at BitCultures, on Twitch at twitch.tv slash BitCultures, and Instagram at BitCultures. We look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening.